Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Hello to all listening. My name is Malik Banat. I'm here with you, our dear Visegrad Inside listeners. After quite an eventful weekend, um, the results of the US midterm elections have surprised many analysts, including our own, with the Democrats faring better than expected. But as I'm sure you are following those news, there is another battle for democratic security being waged right here in Central Europe as we speak. I'm glad to have no one else but Wojtek Przybilski, editor-in-chief of Visegrad Insight, to talk to us, to remind us of what is at stake. So today we are looking at the question of uh, the rule of law in Hungary and in Poland against the backdrop of the speculation whether the European Commission is now ready to accept some, um, well, half-boiled, half-cooked uh, concessions from uh, from both governments in order to release a long-expected uh, next generation recovery funds and, um, and the EU funds overall. Um, my name is Wojciech Przybylski. Uh, we're here to, together with uh, Edith Skut-Przybylska and we're discussing um, the perspective and the prospects for the upcoming week as we have learned that there is a possibility of Ursula von der Leyen traveling to Budapest with a lot of speculation on Twitter, uh, in in which we hear uh, she might be actually announcing the deal done. And the voices from the European Parliament, the voice of consciousness of the European Union, like Daniel Freund, uh, raise uh, this issue and make it, try to make it impossible for the Commission to uh, to compromise in, in such a, a critical uh, question. And at the same time, there is another um, caveat of that consideration, because since uh, Hungary uh, is apparently closer to accept, to, to receiving the EU funds and making a deal <coughs> with the Commission, that would leave Poland in a blind spot. Poland, which has much fewer steps to take formally speaking, in order to receive the EU funds package, is politically much further away. So uh, how we agreed to do that uh, is that Edit uh, narrates the Hungarian part and then I speculate on the Polish part. Edit, what's the state of play with Hungary and the EU Commission rule of law and EU funds? Is it going to be a deal this week? Thank you for having me, Wojciech. And yeah, you're right by pointing at that Brussels' approval of the recovery plan seems almost certain. What's not that certain, though, is the conclusion of the rule of law procedure, um, the conditionality before the end of the year. But you're right by saying that most likely von der Leyen is going to travel to Budapest to give approval to the plan. And it actually might be a very similar deal to the one that uh, that was given to Poland. Uh, Because it seems that they're only going to approve the recovery plan if the Hungarian government Uh, I mean, it's going to be conditional, so they're going to approve it, but the money is going to be unlocked only if they would uh, seem to like uh, fulfill the expectations and the requirements. Um, So the commission is expected to give this green light to unlock this 5.8 billion euro recovery plan um, only on the condition that the transfer of the money can get given if the open government will fully implement the anti-corruption measures and the judicial reforms agreed with them. So does it mean that the European Commission is learning its lesson from the past mistakes uh, when it was played by Budapest and now it doesn't allow for for being played uh, in this way? 
What seems to me is that the commission has learned a lesson in a sense that it has gotten as far as possible um, this year in terms of withholding the money and putting both governments under pressure in order to to show willingness and to comply. And, you know, the, the political and economic environment is actually this is the thing that is pushing Viktor Orban to show the most willingness so far to to comply with these requirements at least on paper, and I think this is the key, because uh, the the reason why uh, Viktor Orban became spectacularly cooperative this year is that uh, the Hungarian economy is tanking seriously. So uh, the finances are in very bad shape. The inflation just surged to 20.1% by September, and the core inflation, including energy prices, came to 20.7%. So it needs immediate external fundings to avoid a downgrading uh, of its credits and a potential economic default. So, and the thing is that the European Union simply cannot afford that within these circumstances. So I think that the, the Council of uh, Finance Ministers, they would agree to, uh, to such a deal in the pipeline, which seems to be like a very typical EU deal, which have been made many times with Viktor Orban, that here's the deal, you would need to check the boxes on the paper, so that the deal is going to look look like well on the paper. There is going to be like legislative amendments. The government came up with the idea to establish uh, an integrity uh, authority um, um, kind of a new institution to to protect EU funds, um, which again looks good on paper. But uh, many um, experts, including me, would would urge like we would need to be conscious about it because. Although this is something which shows a tremendous willingness to, to make a change in the course of corruption, I don't think that in practice it's going to undercut a uh, course of corruption in Hungary. Well, uh, that is more than certain. I mean, you do not undercut corruption and systemic corruption in particular by, by simply um, addressing some of the bureaucratic milestones, more or less. I mean, you can install different institutions, um, but we know it from many revolutions of European, uh, in the European history that no ancien regime just simply modernizes uh, by, uh, by installing uh, new names and uh, new institutions because the course of activity is the same. In this sense, in this, in this very uh, parallel, uh, the corrupt practices of the previous uh, socialist government of Mr. Julchan are very similar to what uh, Mr. Orban is doing. Just Mr. Orban does it uh, longer and more proficiently in terms of um, extracting the, uh, the 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 funds and and consolidating his camp um, around around that type of uh, modern uh, oligarchic uh, method. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, systemic corruption and clientelist corruption hasn't started with this uh, with this administration, but. Um, all the you know global democracy and corruption rating bodies would agree that the extent to which it have prevailed in the last twelve years, it's unprecedented since the, since the fall of the of the communism. But getting back to the to the state of play, like what we witnessing here is that Viktor Orban is playing this tried and tested um, toolkit of making one step uh, forward and two steps back. We could call it like peacock dance. We can call it like hide and seek game under very many names. Yeah, but exactly. The European Commission seems to be playing the same game right now, also showing that it's willing to go. But if it's not, the conditions are not being met, then we will continue to withhold the funds. So 
does it learn to has it learned to dance this way? Whether it's going to push the government to make uh, effective enforcement and implementation of these amendments, um, I think this is something we we were, it remains to be seen. There no, is- I I would be skeptical. No uh, EU legislation is really pushing any government that is unwilling to comply to to accept it. So there is no uh, EU position as a you know foreign actor in the sense of influencing the agenda of the internal uh, member states. That remains certain, but uh, whether the EU will uh, be again uh, accepting and playing, uh, to be played actually, uh, by Orban once again and l- release the money and get nothing in return? Well, right now I would say I'm afraid so. And the reason is that how it's going to look like, although, I mean, releasing these funds wouldn't mean that they're going to get it immediately. So it's conditional. They would need to check whether the implementation happens and then they would they would need to release the fund like in terms of like bits and pieces installments. So I think this is something this is why I'm cautiously saying like I'm also very uh, pessimistic and skeptical, but let's wait and see how it's going to look like. The problem, and there are several with this kind of approach, is as you said, like establishing new institutions wouldn't necessarily undercut any kind of uh, systemic corruption ongoing, uh, especially not with established new institutions that are being established by those who have been undercutting uh, like democracy and, and capturing and monopolizing the state. Um, and the thing is that the institutional environment, it remains totally intact, and that's the point. I mean, there are these changes which look some good on paper, but at the end of the day, it's very difficult to enforce this kind of uh, implementations without a properly functioning uh, judiciary system. Uh, that's that's one of one of the key problems, I and, think. And the Hungarian judicial system has been, to some extent, maybe not as much as in in the Polish case, corroded uh, into into political um, dependency, and we it it took them longer, perhaps. Uh, then in Poland, uh, which went full frontal, uh, more of a uh, Russian style uh, Zviad Boyem, which is basically, you know, releasing all the force um, of the massive destruction at the beginning and then seeing what will happen out of it. Hungarians were much more cautious with this. Um, this illiberal practice has been uh, more of a more of a long. Um, uh, and and slowly released in the into the system, but it, it's it's definitely there. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that that remains the uh, the key question. At the same time, in Poland, it seems that uh, what the Commission expects with the milestones is uh, are are very simple steps in which uh, we have the three key conditionalities that the government would need to comply to regarding the rule of law judicial system. Uh, and and so far, the government has said no, although in the very recent uh, weeks, it has been also mulling uh, a possibility of some sort of a compromise. We're hearing that from Mr. Kaczynski, who is signaling to his electorate that some compromises again from the position of the government would need to be made in order to secure the future because of the war, because of special circumstances. Of course, there are no special circumstances except those that Kaczynski and his party have created for the rule of law and the judicial system. And and yet they are signaling that, uh, first of all, because uh, the budget for next year might not be simply closing, might not be simply possible to, to have the spendings at the levels the government has been, uh, has been making the electorate 
um, accustomed to because we're missing 85 billion euro currently, according to the reports by, by Newsweek. Um, and also according to, to the words of Mr. Uh, Pavel Boris, who is one of the trio next to the prime minister and next to the chief of the Polish Economic Institute, uh, considered to be makers of the Europe, of the Polish uh, financial economic policy in the in country. And Paweł Boris was mentioning, that was uh, over a week ago, that indeed Poland might, might be facing uh, a very difficult moment in terms of securing the funds necessary to sustain the large, um, large spendings uh, which were set to uh, combat inflation, which it did actually, they did it in reverse, as we wrote in the previous outlook. The the um, uh, the missing the missing money from the budget were spent on actually fueling the inflation further, thus um, uh, undercutting the possibility of of um, of cheap uh, borrowing of the funds on the market. And at the same time, of course, uh, government is trying to innovate and find new ways. After all, it's a banker on top of the government. To, to get the funds, but it seems that um, the possibilities are reaching its limits. And in any case, the first uh, order of things for uh, Mr. Morawiecki was to actually rely on the EU funds in long-term planning of his economic and political success of, uh, of himself personally in the government and overall of the, of the party that he represents. So the government seems to be in a, a critical, if not pivotal moment, when it is deciding whether to uh, hold uh, steady and be prepared to uh, take losses, in financial losses, but also uh, opinion poll losses, which will come forth uh, immediately um, in a critical electoral year, elections are coming for the autumn 2023, or to let go of the biggest um, uh, bottleneck in in the government against the rule of law, um, against the rule of law reforms, um, Mr. Jobro, Minister of Justice, um, who has been the most stubborn element of the government, uh, maliciously uh, playing against any option of Mr. Morawiecki to succeed in. Uh, securing the funds and being successful um, politically uh, in in front of his members of the uh, of the cabinet. So um, uh, so that 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 situation is uh, creating a new dynamics that is going to be exploited um, at least in terms of political communication and marketing by the oppositional parties that have been signaling for a number of days before that week that they are ready to um, recall Mr. Jobro, recognizing that, that he's the roadblock um, in, this, in this game, and risk, um, uh, and risk having a minority government with support on technical issues, the key technical issues like the EU funds and the rule of law. Uh, but, uh, but that is to be, uh, to be seen whether PIS would decide to do so, because if they let go of a 19 MPs, who are likely to stay with Mr. Jobro if he's going away, um, then it, it's, a, it's a very difficult and, and troubling moment uh, internally for the party uh, in terms of communication vis-a-vis uh, -vis electorate. And, uh, and yet it does not guarantee success because only a week ago, uh, president and Poland, contrary to Hungary, is a semi-presidential system, let's remember, 
as, uh, the, as declared that he is going to stand firm by the current set of affairs in the judicial system uh, where he sponsored uh, the, the legislation that is part of the problem uh, with the commission. He also says that he has compromised already enough by issuing new legislation that was not recognized as sufficient for the, from the point of view of, um, of meeting the milestone requirements or the meeting of the European Court of Justice requirements to restore the full uh, rule of law in Poland. So no, no matter what the government would do and the opposition, how, however be successful, there is still the president. And that puts uh, Poland um, against uh, in much more perilous situation where it's not in control fully of the agenda that we're discussing, even though the steps to be made in order to get funds are, are so much uh, smaller. Yeah, I mean, that's quite obvious that uh, not only the, the negotiations uh, in Poland about, you know, releasing these funds have been completely hijacked by the the domestic political situation and the, the fight between the power flanks within the United Right. But there is also this factor that you mentioned um, the multi-level governance system and the decentralization of the political decision making, which is which is a key feature in, 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 in the difference between Hungary and Poland, because as you see in Hungary, um, the decision making is, is fully and completely top down centralized. So it's a lot more, I would say, smoother in a sense, and it's easier for Viktor Orban to, to push this envelope because the government is completely unified and they just put their full weight into um, making this happen as much as possible. They have invested a lot of time and, <clears throat> and energy into, into getting this deal done. Um, and uh, yeah, but the point is that, you know, end of the day, clientelist corruption is really became the defining feature of Viktor Orban's regime identity. And it's deeply linked to the, fun the very functioning of the system. This is why I was pointing at that this is going to be extremely difficult to, to make any change with this kind of cosmetic um, like legislative amendments, um, because there are very good informal ways of getting getting around them and maintain political favoritism in uh, the country. And and here I will uh, shed a light of optimism, uh, saying that I would actually welcome Viktor Orban to make a deal with the Commission, even if that's shady, even it's in, it's imperfect, because from the point of view of all uh, you. Hungary does not matter as much as Poland. And having Poland in such a difficult spot in, um, <clears throat> in the context of the rule of law and the budgetary um, uh, negotiations is, uh, is much more problematic, also given the, the situation with, with Ukraine. But EU cannot allow itself to compromise uh, because it would undermine the position of the whole bloc and would likely create a domino effect in many other aspects, maybe not instantaneously, but, but quickly after. But why I would be optimistic is that we have seen in the 2019 negotiations over EU budget, the EU multi-annual framework and the next generation funds, where Hungary and Poland were uh, threatening to, to obstruct the budget and to block it uh, because they didn't want the rule of law conditionality. And then uh, as I was uh, writing and, and publicly advocating for the Polish government to wake up in advance of what was expected to be a turn, a U-turn in Orban's policy, that he would first uh, block it and be fully uh, against any concessions to the to the uh, to the lobby of uh, of the rule of law uh, advocates. Uh, 
And then he made a, a clear-cut U-turn based on the key interests and financial interests. So he made ultimately a very pragmatic decision. Uh, and, and yes, and the Polish government didn't listen. And it, le- it, 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 uh, it was left in the cold for a moment. And then it was quickly catching up and abandoning apparently so, so hard, um, so, such a hardline position. The, the sole political orphan of which has become Mr. Jobro, who is still lamenting the turn as if he didn't notice that his political uh, guru, Mr. Orban, uh, has had uh, quite a successful run, unlike him in terms also of opinion polls and popularity and everything else in his own country. Now, should Hungary now uh, make this uh, deal with the EU, however stinky and dirty you may consider, then Poland would be again in a position of an ultimate loser uh, in terms not really of, I mean, we think that probably most of the country think that of, of this very government, but this very government would think of it itself and the electorate would uh, clearly see this is the this is the case which Kaczynski and Morawiecki and all the uh, all the uh, boys of, of PIS want to avoid. So that is my reasoning reasoning for being hopeful and keeping fingers crossed for for the deal between Hungary and the European Commission. Okay, I I really I I wish to share your optimism, but at the same time I would need to bring one more card on the table because I think we haven't touched upon this yet and it's important. Uh, there is another angle uh, with the state of play of how uh, the Orban government is trying to get these funds unlocked and at the same time pursuing their, I mean, not like interest, but like playing the, the game of blackmailing within within the council. Uh, and I think it's worth worth mentioning. And with that, we can maybe quickly, just very quickly go through like what is going to happen in the next couple of, um, like uh, how, how it's going to, how it's going to get like played down um, uh, up until up until Christmas. So the government, uh, Hungarian government, would need to reply to these concerns um, and and reflect on these seventeen, you know, amendments by November nineteenth. But then it all comes down to the member states to decide whether what's going to happen. Uh, so there's going to be this European Commission meeting in Strasbourg on the twenty second of November, when they're going to talk both about the conditional approval of the recovery fund and acceptance of this, um, you know, anti corruption measures that was proposed by the by the Orban government. Um, and and at, as I said, at the end of the day, it's going to be coming down at the decision of the, the finance ministers, who, as I said, they don't want Hungary to lose resources simply because there is no agreement before the end of the year. Um, so uh, because if there is no agreement, Hungary is going to lose 70 percent of this uh, awarded supports. The point is that um, there is going to be this meeting um, of the Minister of Finances, um, and this is not only about deciding about the, f- the fate of Hungary, but there is also going to be the decision on two proposals that Hungary is blocking right now. One of them is the global uh, tax agreement, and the other one is the joint borrow to help Ukraine. And Hungary is refusing to support uh, this uh, 18 billion package of EU finances aid to Ukraine. And what EU diplomats are accusing Viktor Orban uh, with right now is that he's blackmailing by you know, implementing this veto, trying to uh, to pressure Brussels in this rule of law state of play, um, where they can lose a lot. So they're just uh, assuming that Viktor Orban is using uh, this veto as a leverage to potentially blackmail uh, the whole, you know, like member states uh, with regards to the EU funds. So this is also something that would need to be taken into account when we're trying to figure and, and you know, forecast what is what is going to happen at the end of the day. 
Um, and I think it taking this into account also get helps us to get a better understanding about how it might turn out. Yeah, there, there as I said, bigger things at play, bigger stakes um, than, than just Hungary, although it is very important for every democracy in the Europe, including Hungarian, to, to be healthy and to be resilient. But, well, probably we'll have to wait quite a lot of time uh, still until Hungary is able to uh, heal and, and repair itself in terms of uh, you know, advancing, advancing in the, the into the dark hole abyss of the democratic backsliding, but uh, but yes, there are timely decisions that the whole of EU bloc must take, and uh, that will require some some compromises. Uh, but probably, and again, I'm more optimistic here. These compromises are 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 worth uh, taking, especially that uh, in time, uh, Commission has also been learning to play some of the games and tricks and uh, and uh, Mr. Orban is not an ultimate political Houdini and he cannot uh, he cannot just make uh, certain uh, things disappear from the front of, from in front of the eyes of the both commission and uh, other member states and uh, and in the time they will be also learning how to deal with him um, and to uh, help Hungary stand back on its feet uh, in terms of rule of law and uh, full democracy.